I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. From AccuWeather.com, this is Everything Under the Sun, our weekly podcast that highlights stories and discussion on topics that involve the weather and climate with a special focus on how those elements affect your everyday life. I'm AccuWeather Meteorologist Dean DeVore, and as your host, I've done my best to assemble a family of friends and experts, not only from our company, but from around the world, to help answer our questions and create great discussions about a myriad of topics that we've been covering over the last several weeks. You know, when we resumed this weekly podcast back in March, our focus was pretty solely on the COVID-19 pandemic, but as we've continued to monitor and talk about how the pandemic has impacted our lives, we've branched out and talked about many other subjects and topics from climate change, machine learning to improve forecasting, weather and lightning safety, how the weather affects our pets, our health and our homes, all kinds of fresh updates every week. So we're coming off that huge snowstorm last week, right, that concluded with the celebration of Hanukkah's Festival of Lights. Well, the first part of this week has been a little quieter. We've been a little storminess in the Pacific Northwest, but we do have a huge storm brewing with wind and rain that is headed into the Northeast. Santa may be better off with a boat in parts of the Northeast than a sleigh, and he certainly will have to have some jets on the uh, the rails there as the winds could gust 50, 60, 70 miles per hour. I'll have more words about that storm and the weather at the end of our podcast. For this episode, I wanted to take a little different tact. In some ways, not only give a gift to you, but give a gift to myself. I wanted to share some time and some stories with a friend of mine that encompass things I love like football, weather, and then the stories that will tell kind of switch into a Christmas miracle that happened to him just two years ago. Friends, it's time to talk about everything under the sun. You know, you hear the phrase brother from another mother thrown around a lot, but honestly, in appearance, demeanor, and thought, certainly Matt Millen could qualify as that designation to me. But there's other reasons as well as we'll discover here as we talk to him. Matt Millen played football at Penn State, had an illustrious career here, All-American linebacker, part of a team, while it didn't win a national championship, certainly put Penn State on the map. He went on to play in the NFL for three separate teams, winning Super Bowls at each stop. He went on to manage the Detroit Lions and then has had a stellar broadcasting career. And all the while, he loves weather and family and loves to give advice on how we can build teams together and how we can accomplish things when things look bleak. He's a man that has a story to tell and a Christmas miracle in the end of it as well. Ladies and gentlemen, it's a pleasure to welcome my friend Matt Millen into Everything Under the Sun. So Matt, you're a little bit more seasoned than I am. You're in your low 60s. We do this meteorologically when we talk age here, Matt. Uh, so I'm kind of in my <laughs> mid 50s. Um, you preceded me at Penn State. I got here in 84 and got stuck and never left, which isn't a bad thing given the place it is. And you know how much you love it as well. But obviously, 
your playing time was the time where I really became awakened to Penn State. You know, my very first real vivid memory is the 78 Sugar Bowl. And then, you know, I go from there, I get to Penn State, I'm in the blue band, I experience a national championship in 86. And then my involvement grows into this place where I am at, you know, 21 years of doing the stadium announcing now at Beaver Stadium. And, you know, you and I have, have developed a, a friendship, even though we don't spend a lot of time together, but I feel like we've developed a friendship based on, first of all, you love the weather, right? You've always loved the weather. That's something that's, uh, it's something I think because of how you grew up and then still the way you live now, the weather's really intriguing to you, right? Yeah, it's always been that way. It's, it's interesting because initially it was, when can I get out of the house and when can I not? No, I grew up in a big family. Right. And so uh, we have a tiny, we had a tiny little half of a double. I have seven sisters and four brothers, so it was kind of packed in there. So I paid attention to the weather to know when I can get out of the house. And so every day we would check it. And then, you know, the interesting thing was because you're checking it all the time and then you start noticing different things. So it just makes you curious as to why these things happen. There's been a rebirth of that now because with the way we are with COVID and so many of us are kind of locked down at times or whatever, we really look for those opportunities to be outside, to be socially distanced and do some things. And I think it's become a reawakening, too, of weather and and noticing it and really appreciating it more for more people. Would you agree with that? There's probably something to that. And then um, my dad was different. So my dad, only thing he cared about was we had enough rain for his gardens, right? (laughs) Right. And that that was the big thing. Growing stuff to eat or or flowers? Yeah. Well, you know, when you have a a big family, he used to say, you eat what you can, what you can't, you can. (laughs) And so he paid attention to... You know, our backyard was was one massive garden, and so we did everything and planted everything and got everything straight. And you you know, sometimes you had to water it, and sometimes you didn't have to based off the weather. And so weather's been around me a whole time. As I got older, it became you know, when you're into my football years, you're always cognizant of what you're going to play in. Is oh, it going to be a wet one? Is it going to be a hot one? Is it going to be a humid one? Is it going you know all the different conditions? And so yeah, you were always aware of that. Let's talk a little bit. I think another reason that you and I connect is uh, I grew up in Lancaster County, uh, Western Lancaster County, Millersville. You grew up in the Lehigh Valley, place right. I have gotten to become almost uh, like a favorite son up there because I spent some time on a, a radio station up there, um, WAEB, Bobby Gunther Walsh. And grew up listening to it. I know. So that means that, too, AccuWeather has always been a big part of that station. So you got to know AccuWeather early on. And you grew up up there, Whitehall Township, beautiful area. I mean, I love that area. And so many houses and and places like that I know have, like, big backyards and gardens and all kinds of stuff. It's, It's a great area. And I think, you know, that and your sensibilities and stuff. And then you come to Penn State. To Penn State folks, obviously, your amazing career as a linebacker, but then you also had a little bit of a reputation as being a guy who stood up to Joseph Vincent Paterno a little bit more than some other players did, especially at the time. And, you know, you got that reputation and then you go on to play and seemingly everywhere you went, you played and you were able to win a a Super Bowl. You know, let's talk a little bit about some of your best well, I don't know. Maybe some of the biggest memories about a weather game may not be your <laughs> a good weather situation. It might be just how awful it was to play in the weather. What was a weather game maybe in your Penn State career that stands out? Uh, oh, there's there's lots of them. So, but the one that would I think the one that would stand out most was probably my sophomore year. It was '77, uh, and we were playing Kentucky. 
Kentucky was a very good football team. They only got beat one time that year. They had also, uh, I believe they beat USC, and USC got beat by somebody, by Notre Dame. Or it, it ended up being, we were undefeated when we played Kentucky. Kentucky had already beaten somebody big. I can't right. remember who it was. And at the end of the season, it ended up being that we had one loss, Notre Dame had one loss, and USC had one loss. And we ended up, I think, number four, number five that year. And it was all came down because the common thread was Kentucky. And we played that Kentucky game in a downpour. And it was one of those games where their quarterback, he was about 6'5", and he's a strong kid, right? Yep. And so so that game, we couldn't get any traction on Beaver Stadium because when you try to come off the ball, it was raining so heavy, your, your, your feet were sliding all the time. They had a big offensive line, and Fusina was kind of didn't have a good day throwing the wet ball, but Rams did. And Rams had big old hands, and he. We ended up losing that game, and we were a better football team than them. But in that particular game, the weather played a role, and we ended up getting beat. And really, we we could have been. That was a national championship team, and of course, it, we took that to the next year into '78, and we played in the national championship game against uh, Alabama. So, so those two years back to back were they were they were big. They were good teams. Right. They were very good teams and they really started that ball rolling to get the reputation that Penn State wasn't just the Cal College anymore, that it was right. uh, it was starting to be a football power to be reckoned with. So I, I was actually, I, this is the great thing about 2020. As you're talking about that, I'm pulling up on YouTube and I'm watching that and I'm just seeing how awful the conditions were in that game. And that, uh, yeah, it's uh, crazy to see that kind of weather now, um, as you go into your pro career, uh, any of those games, a couple of those that stand out to you, Matt, in the different places that you played? Oh, yeah. So there's, so just look at my rookie year. My rookie year, we go and we go back to Cleveland, and it was minus 36 degrees. And it was the coldest I had ever been. And I was going to walk, I was going to play the game with short sleeves. Right. Just a T-shirt underneath and short sleeves and all the guys, you know, my team from California and stuff. And they're like getting all this stuff on. And I was like, yeah, you guys are a bunch of wusses. (laughs) This is man weather. Get out there. Pennsylvania (laughs) boy weather. We, we eat the snow for lunch in Pennsylvania. Exactly. That's what I told them. I said, you guys are soft, man. (laughs) This is man weather. (laughs) And I had my T-shirt on and I put my (laughs) uniform on and I walked outside and I took two steps and I said, Oh my God, <laughs> go back and put in anything you have on. I couldn't believe how cold it was. It was so cold. I had icicles off my mustache, <laughs> off my face mask. I remember I told them, turn the heat off in the locker room at halftime. Cause you, you don't want to thaw out. Right. Cause you're going to get, you get freezing cold again when you go it back hurts, out. Yeah. It hurts even more when that happens. I agree. So, um, and, and then I remember on the sidelines, the problem was guys would, guys would go over and stand by the heater and put a coat on. I mean, you can't do that. Once you're cold, stay cold. Also and then you, once you warm up, then you're going to feel everything that all the bumps and bruises that you got out yeah. there. They're going to show up as soon as you get in that hot shower. And that's exactly what happened. And so we were minus 36, Dean, in Cleveland, and there was a 100-degree difference to our next game in San Diego. It was like 64 degrees. Wow, that's crazy. And it was uh, completely different. I mean... (laughs) How was was your body affected in that 
uh, that's I mean, it takes sometimes two, three, four weeks to your body to sort out the seasonal change. Yeah, well, you didn't have time. Right. So, yeah. you know, you got a game next week and it's the AFC championship and we have to find a way to win. So you don't worry about your body. You think yeah. about how am I, how the heck am I going to tackle Kellen Winslow or how am I going to get a, on a blitz? How do I get to uh, Dan Fouts or, you know, all those types of things. And so it was, uh, I just remember what a difference it was. And it's interesting because once you get to San Diego, you don't even think about Cleveland. You don't <laughs> think about any of this stuff until maybe the season's over and you reflect back on it and you go, man, that was really cold. And then there's a big difference in how you play and, you know, how you try to adapt. It's interesting stuff. Obviously game plan. And, you know, our coaches at Penn state have always had the advice of Dr. Joel Myers. Uh, and, and, you know, it, it makes a difference when you are well prepared in terms of the weather and how to prepare for the game now, the problem is sometimes it's not always the right uh, situation. The forecast doesn't always work out, as just as a game plan doesn't always work out. So I think uh, another thing that I think, you know, forecasters and, and people in sports and the, the reason maybe my intersection with that and doing both roles of being a, an announcer and also doing the meteorology is we have to adapt quickly. I mean, as a meteorologist, key. If, if something's not working out, I still want to communicate what's going to happen for people. And I need to say, hey, it's not working out that way. This is the way it looks like it's going to work out and hope that they kind of come along for the ride. And same as, as an athlete, right, is making that yeah. making that decision to adapt quickly. And that's the whole key. And so... My uh, my youngest son is in the military, and the main thing he always talks about is adapt and overcome, and that's what you have to do. And so that has to be the mindset. And so if you wake up in the morning, and you look in the paper and you say, "Oh, it's going to be you know sunny in '74," you know, you get to the afternoon and it's cloudy and it's in the '60s, so just adapt, adjust, you know, do what you have to do. So, I'm finding the ability to do that, Matt Millen, less and less in the society around us these days. Oh, yeah. Well, they everybody wants to know the answer now before perfection. it's going to happen. Everybody wants perfection because they get it on their phone every day, right? Well, they think they get it on the phone, <laughs> right. but they don't. Oh, well, you and I know that. See, this is the sensibilities that I think Matt's my big brother and just uh, you know, <laughs> another mother. Well, you know, adaptability, let's talk about that with you a bit, because so after your uh, illustrious playing career, I mean, I could have done this as a, you know, a bio of Matt Millen, but this isn't what I wanted to do. I wanted to tell some stories here and some great weather stories there. So let's talk about your adaptability. You uh, you leave your playing career and then you work your way into uh, NFL management, uh, representing players for a while and then also taking over the reins of the Detroit Lions. Right. Um, but you leave that and you know that you have the gift of gab. I mean, there's no secret about it. You've always had that. You've had it from your young career, from everybody I've talked to, for your long life to, to today. But I think what you have, Matt, and this interview is my Christmas gift to me because I wanted, <laughs> I wanted, I want to tell Thank you this goodness for low standards. Yeah, well, there you go. But I, I do want to tell you this. I can't tell you how much I learn about the game of football from listening to your call. Um, well, I appreciate that. So understanding and knowing the game of football has, I shouldn't say very little, but they're complete two different ways of doing things. Building a team 
has very little to do with understanding the game of football. So team building and organizational building, that is a game unto itself. Right. It's a whole different discipline than the actual game plan of the game. It's of course. Right. And yeah, I, I agree. But now and woven into that though is, you know, you have to understand the characteristics of what makes a good player, but you're really talking about building a culture. Mm. And building a culture is different than coaching a team. I agree. So and part of that culture though is that coach. And a big part of the culture is those people on the team. So there is a thread through the whole thing, but you are as good in your culture as who you allow to walk through your door and what they stand for and what they espouse to be. And more importantly, what they really are. So there's a big difference between what people say they are and what they really are. And so you need character people, character, people win character, talented people win, but talented people with character win more often. Is character also work ethic? Is because I oh think yeah, it's all built into that same thing. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But character, you can take a less talented player with great character and still win. But you can't take a talented player with bad character and consistently win because eventually character is going to catch up. They're going to cheat on something. They're going to they're going to skip on something. They're going to do something to skate something. It's always happens. And so you're better off with character people. Preferably you want a high character, high skilled guy. That's, you know, you've hit the, right, you hit right. the top. That's, that's the, a home that's, run. So when you, when you build that team and then once you've got at least the knowledge that you have the trust and the camaraderie and the, I know exactly what he's going to do without knowing it. I don't even have to look. I feel that I actually in our game production at Penn State with the way we do things at the stadium, me and the music and the TV, you know, the, the video and stuff, we get in that zone, you know, that, that zone you talk about. Right. And yep. I think you get in that when you talk about football, you're you're in the moment, but you have this and I I've been blessed, I think, from my mom, who was a very had the gift of gab, but. Also, I've been blessed to be under uh, to be able to understand how to communicate to people, to be able to make them see without seeing, hear without hearing, feel. So, without Dean, hearing, that's a right? gift, right? Yeah. Uh, so I, that's I, a gift. I and I know I have it, and I'm appreciative of it, and I'm also really appreciative of it when I see it in others. And I guess that's my gift too, is to be able to tell you that, Matt. Yeah. And so here, here's the thing: everybody can communicate. It's how they do it, right? And so. Some people are void of emotion when they communicate. Some people have lots of emotion when they communicate. Some people can't get to the point. Some people can get right to the point. But everybody communicates in a certain way. Sometimes more people have body language more than others. Some people have, you know, there's all kinds of ways to communicate. What you have to do is to be effective is to make sure the message is reaching the ears of the one you're communicating to. Right. Here's one of the things that I really believe in strongly. There are no dumb people. Hmm. Everybody learns. Everybody learns. It's how they learn. Hmm. And so what you have to really do is you have to learn how to communicate how that person understands it. That's the thing. So I learned this lesson in football. 
because we had we had guys who were bright guys, and they'd get on the field in front of seventy thousand people, and the lights are on, and the crowd is screaming, and it's a big game, and they can't get past it, and they can't think. They just and then they get the reputation of of being not very bright, and they couldn't be further from the truth. Right. It's just, just their their performance demonstrated something that made people judge that wasn't the case. So well, so, you know, you'd sit in a room, you'd sit in a, you sit in a, afterwards, you sit right. down and, and you go over the tape, and you sit there with the guy, and you know, there was lots of guys, there's lots of people like this. Yeah. And they and you'd say, I know you know this. Why didn't you do this? Here it is, right here in front of you. Right. And you talk to them, and they say, yeah, I got this and this, and I don't know why I didn't do that. Why didn't you do it? The reason why he didn't do it was whatever it was within him that blocked that, the knowledge from coming out, whatever that is, whether you call it stress or whether you call it performance anxiety or, you know, there's a million things you can call it. He already possessed the knowledge and understanding of what to do. He just couldn't get to it. I had a guy who was a finance major, very bright guy, played outside linebacker for us when I was with the Raiders and knew everything. You'd give him the tests and stuff. He'd get 95 to 100s all the time. You put him in the middle of a game and he couldn't think. He just froze up. And so I learned that about him because he came into the game one time. His eyes were as big as like, yeah, like saucers. <laughs> Glazed over. And I looked over at him and I was like, we don't have a chance with this guy. So I said to him, I said, hey, are you okay? And he goes, yeah. And he said, hey, help me out here. And it hit me right there in that instant. I was like, okay, that's, that's easy for me to do because that's, that's kind of what I do. Right. And so we're in the middle of a game. And so I would just yell stuff to him. So I, you know, I'd, I'd tell him, you know, whatever we had to do, whether whatever the coverage was, it was in and out or, mm-hmm. you know, I'd just give him a couple of words. He played phenomenal. <laughs> it was just, did and it coach, hit me. Did the coach, because here's this guy that everybody said, ah, that guy's stupid. You, you can't put him in a game. He was not stupid. <laughs> he was a smart guy. He just had a problem with all the pressure and stuff. And so if you just cut through that little piece and said, we're, we're doing this. Great. He did it like an all pro. And so it was a great, it was a great learning instance for me because I, I realized, you know, there's lots of different ways to not get the right answer when you already know the answer. So it was valuable for me. And then I think you learned how to, to dissect plays and try to make people understand it on their, on their level. And that, and that, I think, again, is, is something that I appreciate so much how you do. Um, I'm looking at the clock and there's so much I want to talk to you about, but there's the second part of the story. We're going to take a little break here, but we're going to come back. And, and, the, and the other reason, I mean, that was my, okay, so I did my Christmas gift to me. There's a Christmas story aspect to uh, Matt Millen that maybe you know and maybe you don't, but it's certainly an amazing story of um, love and and miracles and the right things happening and we'll talk about it when we come back. You're listening to Everything Under the Sun from AccuWeather.com Listen to Weather Insider every weekday for a discussion on trending weather news with me, Bernie Reno and Evan Myers. You'll get detailed insight into major weather events and learn the why behind the weather. Just subscribe to Weather Insider on your favorite podcast platforms today. 
Welcome back to Everything Under the Sun. I'm meteorologist Dean DeVore, your host with our uh, special Christmas episode here as we get ready for this celebration of the holiday. I'm speaking with my friend Matt Millen, former Penn State pro football player, transitioning into an amazing broadcaster now, uh, concentrating with Fox Sports on the Big Ten uh, broadcasts. You know, Matt, uh, before we get into the Christmas aspect of the reason I wanted to talk to you, uh, this has been a tough year for me um you know everybody's been asking me well, what was it like to you know announce in an empty stadium and it, it, i actually never felt those stadiums were empty and uh, i don't know you were at our place one time i think right this season right you were at one of the games and i thought we did a decent job with the music and stuff and our players seemed to be appreciative of all of that and and how it still felt kind of like a penn state game even though there wasn't people there with the band and all that kind of stuff so but still i mean i felt the love and the and the interest of the the penn state faithful that were there and had so many people reach out to me and um, you know, I felt it was almost like a responsibility to keep doing what we were doing. And, and so in that way, it was emotionally taxing for me this year. I don't know how your experiences was has been in broadcasting it so far uh, as this season's played out. Yeah, it's, it, it was different. So I thought when they, they pumped the sound in, that was a little different because sometimes <laughs> sometimes they had it too loud. Yeah. Even when you had your headset on, it was it reverberated in your headset. And I was like holy smokes, this place is way too loud. They didn't, maybe they have it at the same volume that they did before, but they didn't take into account the hundred thousand people who are sitting there who are absorbing a lot of that and making their own, their own yeah. noise. There was a, there was a growing period with, there was some additional speakers that actually concentrated it more because our speaker set is way up. It's at the yeah. scoreboard level. So makes sense. Right. So then there was some work done to, to kind of concentrate it more on the bottom and it worked. I mean, that was always there. And then we just got the mix right to take it more off the top. So they, it doesn't affect <laughs> i'm enclosed it doesn't bother me but i'm just two doors down from matt and the crew and, and they're all open so uh, understand that but um i mean matt did it ever cross your mind to you this season I, there was a point when we you know especially in the big 10 we were you know off on off right you know and then right get to this and almost the wheels fell off a couple of times almost. And we almost didn't get what is, you know, the best team to the championship game because of COVID. And then we get there and then there's still controversy. I mean, I'm, I'm really not sure personally how you can tell the top four teams in the country right now. I really don't. I agree with you. I mean, so in that mind is it, was this really worth it or has it taken too much of a toll? We saw what our players decided was enough was enough. Penn State could have gone to a bowl, right? They had the yeah, yeah, they could have, and they were playing better than they had been. So it yeah, so it's just different. So here's what you have to so, and I had to remind myself of this too because you have to know what people wouldn't know is sometimes when I'm calling a game, I the same emotion that I played with, I get, I can't help myself. I so I'm watching a game, and inevitably. You know, I know guys on, so I know the coaching staff. So mm -hmm. different coaches I know very well, and I get to know their teams a little bit better. And then when they start playing bad, I get mad. Mm -hmm. It just bugs me. Yeah, yeah. And so I, that I, heard, I heard that in you. I honestly did. I heard you get mad about effort that day when I listened back oh, to Oh, it drives yeah. me crazy. Yeah, I heard it. I heard it. And so, and there was one point, there was one point I, I think I just said, I just said it. I just said, uh, Look, this is the worst tackling I've seen. I've been watching Penn State since the 60s. Mm -hmm. It's the worst tackling I've ever seen. 
I mean, it just it looked awful, and it was bad. Now, that doesn't mean you can't get better, and they did get better. The next time I had them was against Rutgers, and, and yeah. Rutgers, I thought they played exceptional. They, they look like a different team. And so that's credit to the players and also to the coaching staff because they stayed on top of it. So, but there's times, you know, I let my emotions get the best of me <laughs> in the booth. And, uh, and I just, you know, actually, when I, the Penn State-Rutgers game, Greg Schiano is a very good friend of mine. Yes, he is. And so I was following that Rutgers group a bunch. And, and, and the coaching job that he did down there was ridiculously good. They were night and day better than they were a year ago. It wasn't even close. And at the end of that Penn State game, the quarterback was running and he took off. And I got mad. <laughs> Look, the quarterback position is the toughest position to play in sports. It is. And you're making lots of decisions on every Rapid, step that you take, right? Fire, I right? mean, everybody does that, but you're making decisions. That, so this is at the end of the game, and he and kid took off to run, and a quarterback has to transition and understand what the situation is when he's running. This particular situation was at the end of the game. They needed a first down. He takes off, and he has to get the first down, which means he has to transition from being a running quarterback to being a real runner. And <laughs> so... He didn't. He kind of turned it down, yeah. and it it bugged me. And uh, so you got and you have to be careful. So of course I and I said he runs like, a, and then I stopped, and I tried to explain myself. Well, somebody tried. They tried to write it up like I was going to say he runs like a girl or something. I and I had no intention whatsoever. It didn't even come into my mind. Yeah. But I, what came into my mind was, you can't run like that. No, you gotta, you gotta, at that, you gotta run with that instance. Yeah, you have you transition. You have to turn into a, a runner. So you have to run like a running back at that particular point. That's what you have to do. It's tough to do. Hey, just like a quarterback has to make five decisions in a second, we as broadcasters have to make five decisions in a second. And a lot of the time people don't understand it's with also a running commentary in your ear from other people telling you all kinds of stuff. And I mean, I'm uh, that's a gift too, to be able to, to, to sift through all of that. Yeah. Hey, listen, uh, I, I wanted a transition to this to why I also wanted to do this interview at Christmas. Uh, back in, was it 2017, the diagnosis for, and, and make sure I'm saying it right, amyloidosis? Amyloidosis, yeah. Mm -hmm. So that's a, it's a rare heart disease, folks, where it basically begins to, is it atrophication of the, the heart to a point where it's less productive over time? Is that, well, is that it's so. Amyloidosis is a disease where your body makes this excess protein and it doesn't really, it doesn't major in any organ. Mm. It minors in all of them, Okay. but one of them inevitably gets struck harder than others. So it affects your, it can affect your kidneys, your liver, your heart, um, your digestive system. I mean, it's a number of systems that it, it attacks. In my particular case, it, it attacked my heart. And so it built up a bunch of uh, protein, basically like sand. It just kind of filled the muscle with, with sand, and it lost its pliability, mm -hmm. and it lost its ability to beat, to pump. Before the diagnosis, when did you start feeling the effects of this? And so how long was really from the time you first kind of knew something was wrong through the diagnosis to the point where we get to Christmas Eve 2018? About 10 years. Okay. So I ignored it for about the first five. I felt something 
it just didn't feel right when I would work out. I could tell a difference, and I would. I went to the doctors, and they said mm-hmm. nothing's wrong. Right. And so then, it would be hard to diagnose. It's a very hard disease to diagnose. Right. Correct. And so then I went another time, and they told me I had something else, and they did that, and they put me under, and they did a biopsy, and they said, "No, nah, you're fine. You got the heart of a 22 year old." Mm. And I said, "Okay." So. I thought nothing was wrong, so I just ignored it again. Right. And then finally it got to the point where, I mean, Dean, I couldn't. It got to the point I couldn't walk 30 no, feet. I, I, I mean, I saw you towards the end before, you know, you, you, you ceased broadcasting that year, and, and I was scared for you. And, um, you know, yeah, unfortunately I, I, I was not that I wasn't as aware. <laughs> <laughs> I understand. Well, some of, usually when the, the, the things are worse for us, we're not as aware as we should be about us and other people are trying to tell us. Right. But, um, yeah. So I ended up, um, I went at Paul Suey, right. uh, you know, the, of the Suey family, my, yeah. my old teammate. Yes, sir. He said, look, Matt, we, we got to get you in. So he got me in up at, at the mail. Yeah. And I went to the Mayo Clinic, and they did some tests. And then I went, I was out in Southern California because they said uh, Cedar sinai was probably the best place to go. So I went out there, and they said, you're going to need a heart transplant. And I, I said, like an idiot, I said, my heart, because it was down to like 30%. Mm. And he said, I said, my heart at 30% could crush yours at 90 <laughs> 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 and so that's I, the Matt Millen spirit right there that we all come. You to just work. can't think. I you start talking about a heart transplant. That's like, yeah. Who does that? No, especially a guy who's been an All American, an All Pro, a Super Bowl champion. Yeah, you know, but that stuff meaningless. That stuff really right. doesn't it, matter. It you, just you, all you it matters I, is right. You get this is your health. This is what you are. So yeah. it was hard for me to accept that something was wrong with me, you know, so that I was sick. So I went on chemo because you had to stop that thing first, the right. amyloidosis. And there is no cure for amyloidosis. All you can do is just kind of keep it at bay. Right. So, so I was on yeah. chemo for, uh, for 10 months. Every week I'd go and I'd get my drugs and, and I'd feel lousy for a couple of days. And then, you know, I felt a little bit better at the end of the week and, yeah, and so I thought, um, I could do this. It's not a big deal. And then as it went on, it got, man, it got, it just wore you out. Yeah, 2018, you did about, what, three weeks of the, the season? I did three games or four yeah. games, and then yeah. that was it. Yeah, it was Yeah, it. and then I, I, they put me right in the hospital. I went, actually had a checkup, and they said, you're going right upstairs. So they put me right upstairs in the ICU, and then we waited for a heart, and then I got that heart on, uh, two years ago on Friday. Yeah. I mean, the, so, the, the, the amazing gift, uh, and um so glad that it occurred. And, I mean, do you know much about the donor? Do you know anything? No, actually, um, it's on me. So, Dean, I, I can't, it's hard for me. I don't know what to say to him. Right, right, because you don't want to think about that organ and being somebody else's, right? No, yeah, no, not even that. Okay, I, what okay. the heck do you say to a family whose son lost their life and I have his heart. No, I, I, I don't even, what do you even say? Right. You can't, thank right. you doesn't, thank you doesn't say enough. I mean, I'm grateful, doesn't say enough. 
Do you know it, if there's no words? Know? I don't even know how to approach that. It's just, do you know if they know that you got it? No, they can't know. Okay. So, and I don't know who they are. I would have to write a letter to them, which truth be told, I started the process and I couldn't do it. So I've thought about it a number of times. My wife's asked me and, and, uh, I just, I don't, I don't have the words. I don't even know what to say. Well, maybe that'll change. I don't know. Maybe, maybe that'll change, but, uh, yeah, no, I, I can understand. Um, because the, the, you know, we talk about the, the decisions we make as broadcasters. That's the one moment in your life. You don't want to say the wrong thing and you don't, you don't know it it just, uh, well, the miracle is it occurred and you're still with us. And I'll tell you what, folks, it was amazing when I did see Matt, uh, for that one time this year, uh, how great you look, the vitality's back and I can certainly hear it in the, in the broadcast. And so, so glad and uh, really appreciate uh, your friendship. And I really appreciate this time here. Uh, this has been an amazing gift to me. And I think uh, a lot of people will appreciate hearing some of these great stories, Matt. I appreciate it, Dean. Not a problem at all. Well, you and Pat and the family, please take care of yourself and uh, have a very happy holiday season. Merry Christmas. Happy New Year. And I can't wait to see you and get to spend a little more time with you rather than to at a distance masked uh, next season in 2021. You got it. Thank you so much. All right, Dino, take care of yourself. Have a good one. I'll be back with some final thoughts about the weather and other things as we wrap up. This is Everything Under the Sun from AccuWeather.com. Listen to Weather Insider every weekday for a discussion on trending weather news with me, Bernie Reno, and Evan Myers. You'll get detailed insight into major weather events and learn the why behind the weather. Just subscribe to Weather Insider on your favorite podcast platforms today. You're listening to Everything Under the Sun from AccuWeather.com, and I am your host, Dean Devore. It's been a pleasure to host this. As I said at the beginning of the podcast, in a lot of ways, this podcast has really helped me get through the last nine months. It's given me a focus to kind of learn more about things that I didn't know about before, and certainly I am a person that enjoys passing on information to other people. That's been something that has been a part of my life for as long as I can remember. And I am appreciative of all the uh, the feedback we get, too. We get great feedback. So if you like this podcast, if you like what you heard from Matt, I think there's going to be some times where I go back and listen to that again. There's some real gems. If you like the podcast and you enjoyed it, please pass on the information and where to find it here to your friends and family as we go into the new year. Give them a little bit of a gift of a listen that hopefully will help them take care of the weather and certainly prepare their lives, weatherproof their lives, you are going to need to do that, folks. If you're listening to this podcast before Christmas in the few days, be ready. There's this big storm along the eastern seaboard with wind and rain for Christmas Eve into Christmas Day, some real problems and power outages. If you're listening to this after Christmas in that week before Christmas and New Year's, uh, again, we'll have some storminess in the Pacific Northwest, but certainly not uh, looks like in any big ticket storms right now for that week, but certainly something we'll keep an eye on. And we'll all reconvene together, myself, my family of experts and friends that will talk about the weather and its topics as we get into the new year. For our executive producers, Ken Prell and Andrew Robb, and the hundreds of amazing, dedicated AccuWeather team members around the world that work so hard to weatherproof your life as best as possible every day, 
for all of us. Have a great, safe, happy, healthy holiday for Christmas and into the new year. And we'll talk to you next year on Everything Under the Sun from AccuWeather.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.